welcome listeners to a bonus episode of Pod of Two Halves. I'm your host, Logan Dean, and today I'll be on my own as I preview the upcoming USA World Cup qualifier match uh, against El Salvador, away to El Salvador. So, uh, just to go ahead and give some background, first and foremost, on our road to the World Cup uh, for our region, CONCACAF, which is uh, North America, Central America, and the Caribbean. Uh, we are now in the final round. So it is down to eight teams. The eight teams are Canada, Costa Rica, El Salvador, Honduras, Jamaica, Mexico, Panama, and the USA. Now, the top three teams, when all is said and done, qualify for the World Cup automatically, where the fourth team will have to go through a playoff to make it to the World Cup. Uh, there will be a total of 14 matches for each team, so you're going to play your seven other teams in the group uh, home and away each for a total of 14 matches. A little different this time for qualifying is the FIFA international windows when we would have players leave their clubs to go play for their uh, national sides. Uh, in the past, it had been two games typically scheduled over uh, a week time frame, but because of a little compression of the schedule due to COVID last year and moving forward, uh, for the first time, we're going to have almost every FIFA window qualifiers will be three qualifiers in a week. So, for example, uh, today, Thursday, uh, the USA will be away to El Salvador, kicking off at 9.05 p.m. Central Time. As always, Central Time is the only time that matters. Um, and then the next game will be USA versus Canada at home here in the U.S. on Sunday, September 5th, and that'll be kicking off at 7 p.m. And then finally, for this little international window, uh, the third match for the USA will be away to Honduras on Wednesday, September 8th. So as you can see, Thursday, Sunday, Wednesday, that's three games within a week. So that's the general picture as far as um, who are the main competitors to, to make it into qualify. Mexico is always a heavy hitter. Uh, Costa Rica in, recently in the past has been quite good. And then that third place, um, not necessarily putting these in order, but you know, could be the U.S. Uh, or we could be tripped up by the likes of uh, Canada since they've been raising their game lately or uh, Panama as happened previously or any of the other teams, to be honest. Uh, but generally, most people will consider that the U.S. and Mexico and probably Costa Rica should qualify with those top three spots and the fourth place more than likely going to uh, Panama, although an upstart such as Canada or Jamaica could easily pit them. So looking ahead to uh, tonight's match again, today is Thursday, September 2nd. And that match is away to El Salvador. And it'll be kicking off at 9.05 p.m. Central Time. It's going to be on CBS Sports Network, Paramount Plus, Universo, and Univision Now. So you can find it on one of those, I'm sure. Um, but I wanted to give a little, uh, just a little bit of context for the match. 
with regards to who all is on our squad and then how we'll more than likely be playing. So to back up real quick, the U.S. currently under Greg Berhardt, our, our coach, we sort of had two different formations. Um, kind of the more likely or the more standard one that we play has four defenders across the back, three midfielders, and then three forwards or strikers or attacking players. Um, so we'll call that plan A. And plan B, again, starting in the back, has three defenders across the back, four midfielders, and then three attackers. So effectively, you're just taking away one of the defenders from plan A and putting it into the midfield to produce plan B. So uh, we'll look at those two formations and the most likely starters, as well as updating uh, our current player pool. So first and foremost, to give an idea of our um, current player pool, at least for this match away to El Salvador, we have the following injuries. It's already been known for a while that Tim Weah is injured, so like for the, the last week. Uh, he's generally be like a right winger, right striker for us. Uh, but more confirmed yesterday is that uh, Christian Pulisic, probably the biggest name for most of us, uh, he is not traveling to El Salvador, even though he has been cleared for uh, COVID uh, infection and, and symptoms he previously had. And I think he's just not quite up to fitness to, to go down for that game. In addition, uh, goalkeeper Zach Steffen is suffering for some back spasms, and so he also will not be uh, playing at all in El Salvador. So who all are we left with? Well, uh, our goalkeepers, we named three. Matt Turner, Zach Steffen, and Ethan Horvath. So more than likely, most people with Zach Steffen pulling out for this match would agree, and most fans would like to see Matt Turner go ahead and get the start for this first game. And for no other reason, he carried the U.S. through the Gold Cup, which you may recall uh, they successfully won, even though it wasn't our quote-unquote full-strength team. Our full-strength team uh, was last unseen in the Nations League semifinals and finals back in the beginning of June, where they also beat Mexico to win. So, uh, again, goalkeeper most likely Matt Turner. Maybe Ethan Horvath will get a sub in, but pretty unlikely because a challenge with these three games in one week is that you need to rotate the players more than had been done in the past because with three games and travel, not to mention all these players just came from games with their club this past weekend. So it's really like four games in uh, a week and a half. Uh, you need to be careful how many minutes you're putting on each on the player's legs and their overall body, et cetera. So uh, moving ahead to the defenders that were named, we have John Brooks, a stalwart of the center back position, Walker Zimmerman, and he's a sort of a star of the MLS as far as center backs go. Uh, Miles Robinson, uh, a young player who's burst onto the national team uh, side of late. Same thing for Mark McKenzie. Uh, another, uh, our most veteran player, Tim Ream, 
by far our most veteran player. And then uh, James Sands, who's also a young player who's kind of burst on the scene, especially had a good performances during the Gold Cup. Those are all what I would consider our center backs. And then our left backs would most likely be Anthony Robinson and George Bellow. George Bellow having really recently come on the scene. Anthony Robinson having been uh, in the national side for about the last year and a half. Um, and on the right back side, some of you will recognize this name from all the way back in the 2010 World Cup, sadly, or 2014 World Cup, sadly the last World Cup the U.S. was involved in, DeAndre Yedlin, and the other right back, Serginho Dest, who plays at Barcelona and has gained a lot of notoriety in the last year and a half as well. Uh, for our midfielders, we have five that were named. We have Tyler Adams, Kellen Acosta, Weston McKinney, Sebastian Legette, and Christian Roldan. Finally, for our forwards, attackers, strikers, however you want to call them, the left wing named into the squad is Christian Pulisic, but as I mentioned, he will not be at this game. And Brendan Aronson on the right wing, Giovanni Reina and Conrad De La Puente. And then your out-and-out source strikers, Josh Sargent, Jordan Pifak, and Ricardo Pepe. So um, putting those players into the formations that we discussed earlier, again, plan A being that 4-3-3. And plan B being a 3-4-3, three, three, uh, you're more than likely going to see something that looks kind of like this. So if you start again and you're back in your own goal, on the U.S. goal, Matt Turner's goalkeeper. Um, with the four across the back, again, plan A, your two center defenders are most likely going to be John Brooks and Miles Robinson could be... Instead of Miles Robertson, um, Walker Zimmerman, I could see either of those. It's mainly trying to find someone who can compensate for a little bit of the lack of pace of John Brooks, because what John Brooks does bring to the table beyond you know, aerial superiority generally, but he also does a great job of playing beautiful passes that can even be you know, 30, 40 yards cutting through the opponent's midfield to send our midfielders onto a run. Uh, so with that, uh, building from the back ability that he provides, it's worth it to cover him with somebody who has a lot of speed. So two center backs, one of them almost definitively will be John Brooks to start. The other one, I'm putting my money on Miles Robinson, but it could be Walker Zimmerman. Uh, left back, I'm thinking it will be Anthony Robinson. The other option is George Bellow, as we mentioned earlier. Um, but Anthony Robinson... George Bellow just sort of burst onto the scene in the Gold Cup with some great performances, no, most notably, I mean, obviously in the final. Uh, but Anthony Robinson has some more uh, experience with the national team. So I bet Greg Berhalter will start with Anthony Robinson on the left back or in the left back position. And for the right back position, it's sort of a toss up between DeAndre Yedlin and Sergino Dest. I think Sergino Dest would still get the start over DeAndre Yedlin just based on the fact that, although defensively both of them uh, kind of have some shortcomings in purely defensive terms, they both have a lot of pace and are able to attack 
uh, freely up the wing, but Sir Gino Dest uh, might have a little better proficiency uh, than DeAndre Evelyn. But that's sort of one for the other swap, more than likely very dependent on what's been happening in these last few days in their training camps in the eyes of uh, Greg Berhalter, the head coach, and the rest of the coaching staff. So again, that's four across the defense. Then our three midfielders, imagine that um, you're making a triangle. So the bottom of this triangle, like a triangle that points down, the bottom of this triangle is like a defensive midi, and that's more than likely going to be Tyler Adams, a workhorse for RB Leipzig, who we've talked about in almost drooling terms playing for the national side, but again and again he, he seems to be a little injured or not able to, um, to play with a full accompaniment of team so hopefully this will be the beginning of changing that picture um, now the two midfielders that are ahead of Tyler Adams and so are the left and right corners of the triangle for the midfield uh, one of them is almost definitively going to be Weston McKinney probably on the left uh, top corner of that triangle whereas on the right mm, it's a toss-up between Kellen Acosta and Sebastian Legette. I would think Sebastian Legette will be selected just because he is, provides a little more offensive threat. And with Tyler Adams and McKinney, you're hoping that, and having four defenders across the back, you're hoping that you can, um, you don't really have to have the defensive now that Kellen Acosta would provide. Uh, but I really could see either one starting there. And finally, the three across the top our attackers on the left side, so we're left wing, uh, Brendan Aronson. In the center, Josh Sargent as our striker, and on the right, Giovanni Reina. So uh, if you have that formation sort of visualized, really the only change required to make to go to plan B, which would be three defenders, four midfielders, and then three attackers, is, as I kind of mentioned earlier, you're going to positionally take away uh, one of the midfielders and drop them almost into that center of the center backs, which currently we have two. You put him into the middle and spread the other two out to give you three center backs across, and then your left defensive back and your right defensive back can push up as what are to become what are kind of called wing backs. So what that would more than likely look like is almost the same um, personnel starting for the lineup. The only difference is that the midfield position that was at the top right of the triangle that I said would be either Sebastian Legette or Kellen Acosta, imagine that position is sacrificed and instead we put across the defense in the back. We still have John Brooks in the center left and Miles Robinson in the center right but they push to the left and the right respectively a little bit, and in between them, we put in James Sands. Now, that's so your three across the back would be John Brooks, James Sands, Miles Robinson, then your four across the midfield, those two previous uh, left back and right back respectively, push up into the midfield to become what we call wing backs. So on the left, Anthony Robinson, on the right, Sergino Dest, in the center, we would maintain Weston McKinney and Tyler Adams. Probably not 
right in line with each other. Instead, Weston McKinney staggered a little uh, up and above, whereas Tyler Adams a little back and below. Uh, and then the same three across the top being Brendan Aronson on the left, Josh Sargent in the center, and Giovanni Reyna on the right. So those are the positions that you're, you're looking for most likely in your starting lineup and the personnel uh, with the few toss-ups that I mentioned. Well, I'll take this opportunity to take a quick break in this first segment and uh, catch you for the second segment, listener, where I'm going to break down a few players to keep an eye out for. All right, see you after the break. Listeners, thank you for joining me for the second segment of this bonus episode previewing the World Cup qualifiers for CONCACAF, most notably El Salvador versus USA, taking place tonight. Uh, we just left off kind of giving a general picture of our formations or strategy moving into this match away to El Salvador. Uh, now I want to point or pick three players that I think you should keep an eye on. Uh, so first among those, I would say Weston McKinney. He's a, a midfielder that, um, as it so happens, he got his start uh, in the European sphere at Schalke, which is in the German Bundesliga, which is the same club that Jermaine Jones, a midfielder of the 2010-2014 era, especially the 2014 World Cup, uh, that's where he made his name, was at Schalke. So it's then sort of fitting that McKinney plays a similar role that Jermaine Jones provided, which is kind of being that um, that rough and tough midfielder that you know runs up and down, covers a lot of ground, and also can you know body it up with the opponents. Uh, but he has, I would say, McKinney has a little touch more class about him. He's just a little more proficient with uh, his passes and his dribbling ability. Uh, so I just look if those of you who remember Jermaine Jones from the 2014. World Cup, you're looking for that uh, McKinney to sort of be providing that same sort of um, fixture in the in the center of the field, but with a little bit more uh, poise to him, and hopefully nowhere near the same yellow cards that Jermaine Jones was uh, known for getting. Uh, he's Wes McKinney is also very enjoyable to watch, just because I think he is like the the mascot of the team. If we had a mascot, he just brings in so much energy and positivity into the locker room that you see uh, either in little videos of their training or you hear stories of, like, Wes McKinney is the one who will be responsible for little fun pranks like flicking each other's ears that, that builds sort of like a, a positive rapport and camaraderie amongst all of the U.S. men's national team players in a camp. Uh, he's not the captain. He's not been named the captain, uh, at least to mine. I can't recall if he has or not with frequency, that's for sure. But he almost doesn't need to be because he's going to be who he is no matter what on the field. He always has that sort of energy, and he always has no problem talking back to the you know, opponents when they sort of talk trash 
to him or to his fellow players. I mean, he is like a constant chatterbox with his objective being to get inside the head or the heads of the opponents. Um, and notably to that, watch how many times he starts to get fouled and getting like little extra crunchy fouls or you know, after the play is dead fouls, uh, especially with the history that CONCACAF has for that when we're going away. Um, and also watch for not so much if he gets fouled. He doesn't jump up and, and you know, respond with a lot of vehemence. But if a fellow teammate of his gets what he considers sort of a, a rough or unnecessary or unsportsmanlike challenge, he will immediately get in the face of that opposing player. So keep an eye out for that. So that's Weston McKinney again in the center of the midfield. Uh, another player that I, uh, I'm particularly a huge fan of is Giovanni Reyna on that right wing side. So Giovanni Reyna has been playing for uh, Borussia Dortmund in the German Bundesliga as well for all of last year and the beginning of this year. And he has been tearing up a storm. And I have, I maintained that I think Giovanni Reyna will be our team's best player. That may not be the case today. I understand that Pulisic might be considered our best player, but Giovanni Reyna, for being a few years younger and what all he's accomplishing tactically as well, and some of his flexibility showing, I think he will be, uh, he will become and reach a higher ceiling and ability than Pulisic will for the U.S. And, and not just for the U.S., but in general. So he happens to come from sort of, I guess, our first dynasty in the U.S. men's national team history. Um, his father, Claudio Reyna, was a uh, uh, you know, stalwart of the U.S. men's national team back in the 90s, uh, center midi as well, although Giovanni is now center midi. Uh, he's a little more out on the right. You know, there's some um, crossovers. And his mother, I believe, is a member of the U.S. women's national team. So there you go. Uh, Gio also has, um, he has more of a willingness to sort of mix it up with the opponent. Um, he, something that kind of annoys me from time to time about, uh, Pulisic's play, I understand he's going to get fouled a lot due to, uh, his pace and the way he drives at players, but when he does get fouled, he kind of bursts up and does that hand, oh, like, hey, come on, ref, or you know, almost like whining, for lack of a better term. And I understand in the club game why you do that so that you get the rest attention. But in CONCACAF at away games, I can tell you right now, that's not going to do anything. All that, all complaining to the ref about a foul is going to do is it's going to galvanize the uh, opponents to, to want to do those same fouls more and more. So Giovanni Reina, instead, he doesn't have nearly as much of that body language, although he's guilty of it a bit. Instead, he has no problem giving it back. The opponent. So for that reason as well, I'm a huge fan of, of his performance. And he's just a, a very proficient uh, player, both in finishing and in assists or, you know, developing the play. Uh, so then the third and final player uh, I'd like to go ahead and highlight is probably um, Kellen Acosta. So Kellen Acosta is an interesting player because he came into the national side picture uh, about three years ago, I think it was, uh, maybe even four years ago, he was kind of considered, you know, oh, wow, this is a, a, you know, a, quite a player that we could really build into the program uh, moving forward. And then he just sort of stalled out, uh, both in the international and uh, his club play, uh, where he was at FC Dallas, just hit 
a, a serious bump. I mean, like I said, he, he stalled out. After a year, he finally got a move to, from FC Dallas to the Colorado Rapids. And uh, that was all of last season, and he seemed to be finding his way back again. And he did so with enough gusto that he got the attention of Greg Bearhalter, who then called him back in. So this is sort of a, you know, a, a redemption story almost, even though he's not that old. I think he's like 26. Uh, but he is not only like an MLS uh, player, which there aren't tons of necessarily. I know some fans aren't excited about that. But he's also a player who proves that you're never completely out of the picture for the national team. It's about what you're performing now not necessarily what's held against you or anything from your past. So he came in, fell away, and then managed to come back. And now, I mean, as of the last games that uh, we saw him in, in the Gold Cup, he's, he's a phenomenal force. I mean, most people probably look at him as a substitute for that center defensive mini position of Tyler Adams, but I think it's quite possible that he can be um, in, in one of those center mid positions uh, along with, like, uh, swapping out for Sebastian Lejack. So given that we had three games in a week, it's, it's absolutely wonderful because we're going to have to have some rotation. So keep an eye on uh, Kellen Acosta again for that sort of redemption story, and you'll probably therefore project onto it um, a lot of, he's doing a lot of hard work, but luckily he is almost always. So that's not you projecting, that's an accurate uh, assessment. So uh, those are the three players I would keep an eye on for, for in this match. And uh, we're going to take one more quick break we we'll be back for a third and final segment where we we'll just give a little bit of a background of what to expect in this match. With the ball at their feet and a chip on their shoulder, eyes on the prize, not the past. Ready to ball, ready to be a problem. Physically unforgiving, mentally unrelenting. 11 different players with 11 different paths playing in the present with just one direction to go. Okay, listener, well, uh, this is the third and final segment of this bonus episode of Pod of Two Halves, and I just sort of wanted to lay out that for those who aren't uh, as familiar with CONCACAF World Cup qualifying, especially the way games are tough, doesn't matter who it is that you're coming up against, it's just a lot more difficult than it would perhaps seem on paper. Uh, so I just want to get you, the viewer, prepared for the fact that it's more than likely going to be some hard work to, to really gut this out to get a victory. And a draw is not unexpected. And hopefully we don't get a loss, though. Um, but to kind of put it in context, it's not just the U.S. who has a hard time away from home in uh, the CONCACAF region. But uh, this was tweeted uh, from, by Ben White on Tuesday. Um, said... Of the 179 matches in the CONCACAF World Cup qualifying final rounds from 1998 onwards up till today, only 33 of those matches have been won by the visiting team or the away team. So that's only 18.4%. So across the board, everyone has a difficulty with this. Uh, so expect this to be something that we had to grind out, work through, uh, hopefully come in prepared to do. And just a, another historical note, as I look forward to, uh, actually a player that I, I would want to point out as well real quick, 
which is uh, recently called in Ricardo Pepe uh, for it's an FC Dallas uh, sort of talent who's burst on the scene, 18 years old, Mexican-American, who just declared for the U.S., and he's a forward striker. I don't think he'll be getting the start today, but uh, I could easily see him coming on as a sub for Joshua or for Josh Sargent. And in that, the last time an American made his debut during a World Cup qualifier and scored was Eddie Johnson. And where was that? That was away to El Salvador. So I'm kind of hoping that we get a little repeat of history and uh, Ricardo Pepe gets subbed in, ideally, just like Eddie Johnson in the 71st minute and scores that goal uh, for, uh, to make history as yeah, another player to repeat that feat. Um, so finally, just wanted to provide a, sort of a, a prediction for this match and then give some timetable for the total matches that are going to be taking place this evening. So uh, the first match of the evening for CONCACAF will be Canada versus Honduras. It's at Canada. It's going to kick off at 7.05 p.m. Central Time. That's going to be on Paramount Plus, Univision Now, Universo. Uh, and then at an hour later at 8.05 p.m. is going to be Panama hosting Costa Rica. That'll be on Paramount Plus. At 9 p.m. is going to be Mexico versus Jamaica. That's at Mexico. It'll be on TUDNA, or T-U-D-N, and Univision Now. And then finally, at 9.05 p.m., again, Central Time, is uh, the match that we've been discussing so far, El Salvador versus USA in El Salvador. And that's going to be on CBS Sports Network, Paramount Plus, Universo, and Univision Now. So uh, got some predictions for these matches as well as predictions from uh, my usual co-host, Andres, or Nostra Dominguez. So without further ado, uh, the first match, Canada versus Honduras. Uh, I am predicting that Canada wins 3-1. to one. Uh, Andres is predicting that Canada wins 2-0. Uh, for the second match, Panama versus Costa Rica, uh, I am predicting a 0-0 draw, whereas Andres is predicting a 1-0 victory for Panama. Hmm. See about that. Uh, then for the Mexico versus Jamaica match, uh, I have predicted a 2-0 victory for Mexico, whereas uh, Nostra Dominguez here has predicted a 1-0 victory for Mexico. Probably trying not to uh, jinx himself by having too much confidence. And then finally for the El Salvador versus USA match, uh, he, Andres, has predicted that the U.S. is going to win 3-0, whereas I think the U.S. is going to win 2-1. So uh, we shall see how those pan out. Uh, listener, you can look ahead to another bonus episode I'm hoping to record to release, record shortly after the match tonight and then to be released Friday morning or midday. Uh, but I don't make a necessary promise about if that'll even be able to come out. There's some kind of technical hitches that I'm looking ahead to. Uh, but you can also keep a eye out for um, our next episode, which is not going to be dropping on uh, tomorrow or Friday as we stick to our usual schedule, but instead, because of the international break, we won't uh, be dropping our next regular episode until Monday, so uh, you know, just a few days from now. So uh, 
Hope you understand, and uh, thank you for listening to this bonus episode of Pod 2 Halves. Go USA, go L-Tree, and listener, enjoy the matches.